Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is Branded by Fire. Branded by Fire. I'll tell you where I'm getting this message from. It's out of Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 1. In 7, I'm going to talk about verse 1, verse 7, and verse 10. In verse 1, it reads this. And the priest who was in charge of the temple heard what Jeremiah was prophesying. So he had him arrested, whipped, and chained to the temple gates. A few verses later, Jeremiah says this. O Lord... You have misled me. I have allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than me. And you have overpowered me. I am mocked every day. And everyone is laughing at me. And then he says this. But if I say I will never mention the Lord or speak his name, his word burns in my heart like fire. It's like fire shot up in my veins. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I cannot do it. Does that resonate with anyone? Say yes. Come on. Están conmigo? Sí. Sí. Dig a C. Let me hear you. Dig a C. Sí. All right. I'm with you. Just work with me. Work with me. Does that resonate with anyone? Lord, I gave you my life. I told you I would do anything for you, but you have misled me. I was under the impression that life would be a lot easier than what it is right now. I was under the impression that if I worshipped you, you would put angels around me and you would pave the way before me. But that is not what I am experiencing. You have misled me even more so. I have allowed you to mislead me. And he entertains quitting. That's why he says, he goes, look... If I say I will never mention his name again, if I walk, I'm out. I'm not coming to church anymore. I'm not even going to get online and watch. I'm, I'm not, I'm on unfollow every Christian I know. Bang, 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 delete. If I try to do that, I can only get so far because he's always on my mind. Have you ever been there? Like you're just like, God, I'm disappointed right now. I'm upset right now. I'm out. I'm leaving. But he, it's like there's a hook in your jaw. You can't get too far. Are you with me? I can't get away from you. Even when I try to quit, I can't quit. And then you look around and you go, he quit. She quit. They quit. It's crystal clear he quit. Are you with me? How can all these people quit? But even when I want to quit, I can't quit. I'm a worn out trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. Anyone here try to quit? Yeah, I know you're, we're in church, so we got that, that, that church mask. I don't know what you're talking about, preacher. I'm, 
I just walk with the Lord. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, look in, into my life. I quit every day. And I'm like, all right, all right. That's a bad idea. I'm sorry. It's a bad idea. I need you. I need you. And even if I try to be quiet, even if I try to block them out, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't take it. I was talking with some friends at the restaurant the other day, and they brought up, so how's Celebration doing? I said, you don't want to ask me that question, because I will talk for the next 45 minutes, because what I feel God doing, I can't explain it. It's not easy, but it's promising. Are you with me? I'm going to talk about three things today. I got three major points. I'm going to talk about being lit on fire. I'm going, to be, I'm going to talk about being tested by fire. And then I'm going to talk about being led by fire. Lit by fire. Jeremiah, at some point in his life, maybe it happened when he was a kid. When did it happen for you? Were you a kid? Were you a child? Some of you are in this room, you're like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. My wife dragged me here and this whole lighting on fire thing. I'm just waiting for you to hurry up. How long are you going to be talking, preacher? I'm ready to go. I get it. I get it. Just stay with me. At some point, Jeremiah got lit on fire. When someone gets lit on fire by God, all of a sudden, everything in this world seems to diminish on the scale of importance. When someone has that moment, and some of you have had a moment with the Lord that you can walk into a sanctuary for two seconds in a nanosecond. Yep, his presence is here. You can talk with somebody and in a few moments you can tell Oh, you walk with the Lord, don't you? You don't say it out loud. I talked to somebody at Kroger months ago, maybe years ago. I was just going through Kroger and buying my groceries. And I looked up and she goes, how are you? And I said, what church do you go to? Clearly you pray. Have you ever met somebody like that? It's just in their eye. They got lit on fire. There was a woman in, in 1853. Her name was... Uh, Lilius Trotter. And she was a painter and she was an artist. And, and someone came to her and said, he was, he was highly esteemed, he was very wealthy. He says, if you, devote, if you devote your life to being an artist, you will be the greatest artist in your generation. If not the greatest, one of the greatest. She was very excited about this. She kept practicing, practicing, practicing. She had a natural ability. But something happened. I don't know if it happened in her bedroom. I don't know if it happened when she was at church. I don't know when she was walking to school. Something happened to her. And all of a sudden, her relationship with the Lord began to eclipse artistry. And she decided to move to North Africa without any financial support at all. And she went on the streets and she looked for every single mom that was being taken advantage of because they were trying to raise money and get money so that they could feed their children. 
Desperate people do desperate things. So she started calling all these ladies that were on the street trying to make a living, being taken advantage of, being beat and spat on. She devoted her life to these women and gave up a very promising career. And she would sit down with these ladies and she would say words that we sing today. It started off as a poem, but it arrested their heart and it gave these women a vision. The Lord anointed her lips and she said this. While the moms would cry and while they would cry, she would look at them and say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his glorious face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Those words burned in her heart when she walked away from money. Those words burned in her heart when she walked away from a career. And those same words burned in the hearts of women who had nowhere else to turn. It doesn't matter where you're at in life, whether you're cultivating the career that God has given you. Whether you're trying to put your family back together again. It doesn't matter. Those words remain true and they pierce like an arrow to every one of our hearts. Because deep in our soul, we know. We know if we can just settle down and close our eyes and visualize his face to the best of our ability. And look full into his glorious face. Everything else becomes strangely dim. That's what happens when you get lit on fire. And some of you say, okay, I love the vernacular. But how do you go from where I am to where they are? How do you get lit on fire? Do you stand in line? Do you send an email? Do you go to a particular place and get prayed by a particular person? No, the psalmist said this in Psalms 5.3. Every morning I wake up. I lay the pieces of my life on the altar. And I wait for the fire to fall. There's this determination of I am not living for anything else. And I will get on my knees until they're callous like a camel. I want you. And the Holy Spirit answers that prayer every time. Can somebody say every time? Every time. That's lit on fire. Now tested by fire. There's an interesting scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter 4 verse 17. It says this. I have fought the good fight. Raise your hand if you've heard this before. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And the entire time I kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have said that since I was a kid. I grew up in the church. I took some vacations now and again that I'm not proud of. I was just working on my testimony. Don't judge me. (laughs) But I've heard that. But when you start getting some years underneath you, all of a sudden the the verse means a little bit different. When I was young, it was a way to get a Jolly Rancher in children's church. But now that I'm older, I look at the good fight. There's some fights that are not good fights. Have you ever said something and did something and were like, that was, that whole thing was just a bad idea. I did that yesterday. Yesterday. 
whole thing was just a bad idea. That was a bad idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. I should have just kept my big mouth. But there are good fights. The good fight is when you're fighting for your marriage. The good fight is when you are fighting off depression. The good fight is when you're watching the fans spin and you look at the clock and you ask yourself, I'm, I, I think I have slept. I'm not sure. I think I have. Have you ever been there? That's the good fight. See, the good fight is usually a lonely fight. Nobody in the whole room knows about the fight. You can be in a room full of people and feel completely alone. Are you with me? It's the good fight. The good fight is not only a lonely fight, it's usually a really long fight. And for those of you that are single, you think to yourself, man, if I was just married, then I could fight this fight together with somebody. Married people, that's a good time to laugh. Go ahead. (laughs) There are some fights you get to fight together. But your walk with the Lord is a single file line. You got to walk this journey all by yourself. You have to fight the enemy in your head all by yourself. How many of you have lived long enough to know that the battlefield is in the mind? It's right between your ears. The whole battlefield is about, I don't know, six inches by... I'm not going to get into that. You got to fight those alone. All the insecurity, all the worries, all the regrets. See, some of us have a real big problem believing that God has forgiven us. Others of us, we don't have that problem at all. We're just trying to learn to forgive ourselves. We know God forgave us, we just can't forgive ourselves. This is the good fight. The good fight is what Jeremiah was saying. You have overpowered me. You got me into living a life that I thought was going to be way different than what it is. Remember when you were 16 and you thought for sure you were going to be the president of the United States? You were going to be the mayor. You were going to be so rich, you were going to walk around and just make it rain. you're going to have a white picket fence and a dog that looks like Toto. All of a sudden, what just happened here? It's the good fight. See, everything depends on who you depend on. And if you're depending on your own strength, your own knowledge, your speaking skills, your charisma, your personality, all the skills that you know you were born with, if you're depending on that, sadly, we're going to be very disappointed. You're going to be disappointed in you. I'm going to be disappointed in you. Worse yet, I'm going to be disappointed in me if I'm trying to do that as well. To fight the good fight and to keep the faith, you have to be lit on fire. To be led by fire. Many of you have experienced this. Where you're talking with somebody and then all of a sudden something happens. And you know God is there. In Job chapter 4 verse 15 it says, And then I felt the spirit of the Lord graze past my face and the hair on my body stood up on end. Have you ever felt that before? 
Have you ever felt that before? All of a sudden, you're just like standing there and you're worshiping, or maybe maybe you're just watching worship, even though it's supposed to be an interactive thing. You're watching, and all of a sudden, you're like, what was that? The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord, that's the Spirit of the Lord that just kind of grazes past you and just says, I love you. That's all that is. I love you. Yes, I'm here. I love you. All of a sudden, a hair on your arms. Your body, your physical body can't compute on what's happening. In Job 12, 10, it says, The life of every living thing is in, is in his hand, and the breath of every human is in his hand. And so when he comes by and he just touches you and you feel the hair go up, you're all of a sudden right here, right back here. That's the presence of God. If you've ever felt it, now you know what it is. And when the presence of God all of a sudden begins to percolate on the inside and come out, everything changes. And let me illustrate it using Dr. Martin Luther King. He's standing there in Washington. Black people, white people, not knowing how we're going to live. And he gets up there. August 28th, 1963, he's standing up there in Washington with Abraham Lincoln right behind him, looking at the monument, and there's over 250,000, a quarter of a million people. News cameras everywhere. And he comes up, and he has this, I've read about it, I've watched his speech over and over again. Rewind, play, rewind, play, rewind, play, rewind, play. He comes up there. I've read about it. How he sat down nights before with the table of people and put together this speech. But he, he, he has this speech and he goes up there. And if you go home and watch it, you'll see. There's a moment where he shifts from Dr. Martin Luther King. To Pastor Martin Luther King. See, a lot of people underestimate. He wasn't just a doctor. He wasn't just a genius. He wasn't just relatable. He wasn't just good looking. He wasn't just somebody with charisma. He wasn't just passionate about politics. No, 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 no. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and preached about Jesus Christ. And it was his primary responsibility and passion to point people to the Lord. And when he stood up in front of his church, they knew about it. They knew about it. They knew about it. And he went up there in Washington and he's standing there and he's got his notes. And he starts giving his speech. It's one of the most eloquent speeches you've ever heard. There's a, there's a rhythm. It's like a poetic rhythm. And people are shouting, people are having fun. But it's Dr. Martin Luther King speaking. Dr. Martin Luther King. And then all of a sudden something happens. You have to watch it to see it for yourself. All of a sudden, Mahala Jackson, she was the biggest gospel singer in that time. And she 
And Martin Luther King would hold church services together. She would sing and he would preach. And all of a sudden he's given his speech just perfect. I mean, everything is just so perfect. And then she's looking at him and she's itchy. And all of a sudden she says, Tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. And if you watch it very carefully, all of a sudden he pushes his speech to the side. The Holy Spirit kicks in. This is what it looks like to be led by fire. So I say to you today, my friends, though, even though, We face the difficulties of today and tomorrow. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even in the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day grow up in a nation where they are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day in Alabama, with its vicious racists and its governor whose lips are dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, right there in Alabama, little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands together with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. Can you tell the difference? Can you feel the difference? It's not a speech when the Holy Spirit gets involved. Your words are not words when the Holy Spirit gets involved. I'm begging you today. I'm challenging you today. I'm, 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 with every fiber of my body, I'm inviting you today. Don't live your life without talking with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 6.18, 
It says pray in the spirit at all times, all times. It never stops. Sometimes it's out loud because you can. You're alone in the car. Sometimes it's out loud, but sometimes you're in a meeting. Sometimes you're at a parent-teacher meeting. Sometimes you're at dinner. Sometimes it's going to have to be in your mind and in your spirit. But it never stops because you're depending on it. That's when your words shift. Come on. That's when your words shift. That's when your words are not just your words anymore. That's when all of a sudden Hebrews 4.12, it's not just words, it comes alive. It's like it pierces between the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, convicting the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Everything's different now. Are you with me? Put There's a reason why there's only been one Martin Luther King. That was almost 60 years ago. There's other white men. There's other black men. There's other Hispanic men that are just as passionate about rights for all men as he was. Just as passionate. Just as willing to give their life for the cause. Why has there not been another Martin Luther King? Why is it that it's been over 50 years and we're still chasing that dream? Why is it? Because Martin Luther King wrote his speeches on his knees. He cried before he led. In today's world, we have people with ideologies and nice suits who really want your vote. They have wax eloquent, but in the process, they have forgotten that you cannot speak under the Unction of the Holy Spirit if you are not willing to pay some time with Him. Time! Time with Him. I've studied revival. I've studied people. I've studied moms and grandmothers that prayed for their children for 20, 30, 40 years and all of a sudden something happened. I've studied these women. I've studied these men. I've studied them. And do you know what they all have in common? They pray. They don't talk about prayer. They don't give the impression that they pray. They pray. They pray. It's not eloquent. It's messy. If you've never prayed messy before, you've never prayed. Praying messy is when your heart just overflows. And sometimes it's not waxing eloquent. It's just Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. Has anyone ever prayed like that? Come on, put your hands together. You ever prayed like that? When desperate people start to pray. That's when all of a sudden your problems don't go away. <laughs> they don't go away. But Philippians 4, 7 says, 
that you begin to experience a peace that is greater than anything that you can understand. And when the presence of God gets in, then we stop talking about miracles. We stop talking about how all of a sudden two women, two, two, <laughs> what a terrible thing. Our, our world is in, I was about to say when, when a husband and a wife are ready to fight and I said two women, isn't it so sad that matrimony is no longer holy matrimony? But the Holy Spirit comes in and he puts together a marriage and he puts together finances and people who have been poor their entire life are all of a sudden paying other people's bills. These are miracles. I want to share with you a miracle that took place. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. If you're new here, let me just tell you. I'm about to play a video. That's why they're bringing the blinds down. Let me just tell you. Our church is 16 years old, but three years ago, three years ago, all of a sudden we started seeing healings take place. Our church is not about the worship, although it's pretty amazing. Our church is not about the preacher who's on his best day. Thank you. We come here with high expectations that we want to see God do something that a man cannot do. Let me give you an example. Take a look at this. So a few weeks ago, I usually sit in the center over here with my husband and my daughter, and Pastor Frankie had a word of knowledge, and he was talking about someone um, with their left ear. Their left ear was having pain, was feeling different. Um, I can't remember his exact words at this point, but he was talking about someone over in this other section. I'm like, how could that be? He's talking about me. Um, I'm going to have a pretty big birthday soon. So for a while, I hadn't told anyone, but I've been having this numbing feeling in my ear for a while and a um, little bit of trouble hearing. And I thought that it just had to do with me getting older. Um, I didn't even tell my husband because I was afraid to admit. Um, so when Pastor Frankie said that and I just sat there, I'm like, surely he's going to come over here and say it's for this section. And, uh, nope, he kept talking about this section. Um, so I finally got up because I knew it had to be me. Um, and as I was waiting for Pastor Frankie to come over and um, to pray over me, um, I felt this warmth, this like heat coming in my ear and this pulling sensation. And um, my ear has been fine ever since. Come on, let's stand up and give Jesus a standing ovation. Come on, we love you. Come on, help me out. We love you. We love you. People don't come to celebration 
If you if you're a member at Celebration, this is this is your church. You come here with high expectations. And I just want to let you know right now, the reason why we share a video every single Sunday. Revelation 19:10 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so when we talk about what Jesus has done, we're actually talking about what he's going to do again. But some of you in this room, it's not your right ear. It's something else. Sometimes we walk into the house of God desperate. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. There's a, there's a healing anointing on this house where people get physically healed. Those are the ones that I share with you mostly because you can see it's measurable. You can see it's a measurable. You know, some when people and it's very often it's healed from depression or anxiety. It's very hard for the person listening to measure that. But I say that to say people will get healed here physically this morning. But some of you, your miracle is in a different neighborhood altogether. Let me just lean into the Lord a little bit. It's at this moment of the service where I'm almost certain I'm hearing from God. I'm not 100%. I'm just almost certain. I'm not 100% until somebody raises their hand and says, yeah, you're talking to me. I'm about 80% certain if I had to guess. And from time to time, Nobody raises their hand. Nobody says, that's me. And those are the moments where I look at everyone and say, I'm sorry. I thought I was hearing from God and I didn't. I missed it. In those moments, it could be somewhat, it's important for me, for all of you watching online, to be accountable to the people that I'm looking at. And so I'm not going to fall back and say, I didn't miss it. It's someone online. I need to be accountable. But we get emails all the time from people like you that say, Pastor Frankie, you didn't miss it. And I want you to hang on to it. Thank Jesus immediately for it because the thanksgiving and the praise solidifies the healing. And email us and tell us about it. But this is... This is what I'm wondering, and I almost think it's in this section over here. Is there someone losing vision in your right eye? In your right eye. I'm going to come back to that. Now, some of you are in this room, if you're new, you don't know what's happening right now. You don't want to come out of your seat because you don't want to be embarrassed. The only thing that's going to happen is you're going to come down here. And when the service is over, 
I'm going to pray for you. That's it. I feel like it's on this side of the room, but I could be wrong. You're losing vision in your right eye. I could be wrong. Is it you? Well, then come over here. Sometimes I'm off on the section. Sometimes I'm off by the name. I said Laura one time, and somebody came up to me in the lobby and said, everything you said was right, except my name is Lori. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing the best I can here. I, I missed the letter. Like, come on, throw me a bone here. Here's the thing. When people come out of their seat, is there anyone else? Right eye. Maybe I missed the section, but right eye, you're wondering if you're losing vision in your right eye. You keep testing it. You keep looking at it. I know it's you, but I feel like there's, there's more. Is it you? Come here. I'm still waiting on it because I feel like there's more. And I'm still stuck on this section over here. There's two. Both of you will get healed for sure. That's the powerful thing. When I am right, the probability of getting healed is through the root. Because we just called your name. The Lord just called your name. When I'm wrong, then I got to own it and say, I'm sorry. But if I'm right, that's why every Sunday miracles happen. Because somebody says, that's me. They come out of their seat. They get prayed for they get a healing. Is there anyone else? Here's the other one. Is there someone here you either have breast cancer or you found a lump and you're scared? Come on over here. Just raise your hands. I think the Lord's going to heal you before I get to you. All four of you. Before I get to you, the Lord's going to heal you. Just raise your hands right where you're at. There was one more that I can't remember what it was. your right hand but I can't I, I don't I can't figure it out if it's your skin or if it's, uh, it's tendonitis in your right hand it's tendonitis in your right hand is it you just put your hands up the Lord's going to heal you prayer partners come down because the Lord's going to do a lot more than through you than he's going to do through me I don't know where you're at I don't know what you need but you didn't come here today to hear three points in a story. You came here because you want to have an encounter with God. 
Whatever your need is, whatever your miracle is, whatever your desire is, I want you to, you can go ahead and come out of your seats right now. But let me say this, the greatest miracle is the one in this room that says, if my heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, I'm not ready to see the Lord. And today's the day. That is the greatest miracle because it requires the most courage. And let me say this, if you're ashamed of him in front of people, He will be ashamed of you in front of the Father. And so I want you to come out of your seats right now. These these four, come back. You'll see see them on a video because healings are happening right now. But I want you to come down and take the hand of a prayer partner and let them pray. More miracles happen from the prayer partners than from me. So don't hesitate and come on down. There's no official dismissal here. You can stay as long as you want to. But before you leave, let's sing this song two times through before you go. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and bring you peace. In Jesus' name. 